Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Amen. Good morning. So it feels like half of us are maybe a little asleep. So I need um, a volunteer as we start this morning's sermon to come. A volunteer. Marina? Okay, Marina. Okay, I saw the hand. Okay, Marina, you can sit. I'll take right there. You can come. Come up. You have no idea what she's volunteering for, but that's courage. Yes. Okay, you know what? Two in one. A testimony. And I was waiting for this, so I'm glad that I I saw your hand shoot up. Testimony, and then you're going to help me, okay? There you go. Sure, sure. Hello, church. I'm Bernadette Quadro. I was away for a month and one week because I gave birth to my baby, which I call Joseph. And also a miracle baby for me because, God, there's no way that I could have him without the provision of our Lord Jesus. So let me take you back. To my family, I am from the Philippines. We came over here. My sister sponsored us. Big family. And big family, a lot. <laughs> I have a lot of niece, nephew. I love them to death. And I always dream that one day I will have a baby of my own. So five years ago, I got married. And a year after, I think I shared this during my baptismal that I had a thyroid cancer. So... But God healed me from that. Thank God I'm here still. Four years, oh, five years now. Thank God. So when we started to, my family with my husband, I sponsored him from the Philippines. And he came over here. And because of the thyroid cancer, there's a lot of things with the hormones affected. So we had to wait for that to start a family. And then when the doctor said, it's okay now, you can go, everything's fine. So we did, we tried, and it was so fast to get pregnant. Like, it's so fast. But on the third month, when finally I have to go for ultrasound, and the doctor, I was so excited and said, okay, fine, finally I'm going to meet my baby. So this is two years in a, row, in a run after the wedding. So I was there lying on the ultrasound table, and the technician is not making any just like very serious and I'm like okay how come I cannot hear anything or nothing and then she went out and then the doctor came and said I believe you have been miscarried and I said oh my god what all this feeling that I'm having and like I'm I'm sure I'm pregnant and said no that's just the um, placenta so okay so that's that's okay okay fine what can I do but I had, um, the doctor said, okay, we have to take it out because, you know, we can get poisoned after that because I wasn't have any bleeding at all. It's my stomach. It's just, it's there, placenta, but no heartbeat. So the doctor said, we have to either give you medication, but if it doesn't work, we have to do a surgery. I said, okay, let's just go to the surgery and get over with. Had the surgery done, went home. Two days after, I start bleeding. And... Fever. So I went back to the doctor. They did the ultrasound. They left a piece of, like a big piece inside of my uterus. So I said, oh my God, not just that I had lost my baby and now I have to labor for it. So because they don't want to do another surgery. So they give me medication and I had to labor like the pain. Any woman here who had labor, you know what I'm talking about. But this one is just a piece of meat. It's not even a baby. So uh, make it short, it came out. So another year, we have to wait, stabilize my hormones. Another year, and then I got pregnant again, and I got all excited. And before you know, eight weeks comes, I start spotting. So, of course, the heartbeat is just like, oh, my God. So we went to the uh, doctor, sent me to the ultrasound, said, oh, you're having a spontaneous miscarriage. So this is the second one. I said, okay, so I'm praying and praying and praying and praying. Come back next week. Hopefully, we can pull through. Next week, I went back. There's no more heartbeat. So I said, okay, go to the doctor, give you medication, da-da-da. And on top of that, it's not just your dream being built up, that being ripped out of you. You have to, the pain of the physical is also there. And I got to the point, and like, I'm questioning my faith. Like, what's happening here? Uh, I have 
a husband, I'm married, I can provide for my child, and I'm seeing this in TV, like a lot of people cannot even support, and it's like, why, why are you doing this? And then, I don't know, but God always find a way to take me back to my faith, and somehow I kind of heard, like I know in the feelings, like, yes, look at those family, they have nothing, and they have a child, yes, that's all they have, and you, you have everything, and I said, oh God, I'm sorry, being judgmental, and I, everything, so... The doctor said it's too much. You go to this uh, um, clinic in the downtown. It's very well known for for fertility clinic for dealing with spontaneous a lot of miscarriages. So I went there. They did all the tests, and one test, the blood work was okay. My husband and I got checked. We're good. And one test that really boosts up my faith, like zoom, is that the ultrasound, that it's a guided ultrasound that they go to your uterus, see the duct to go to your ovary. I'm sorry, I'm going to detail, but it will come to this. And, and then the doctor, I went and they did the ultrasound, but the only problem is that they're supposed to put a fluid into your uterus so they can see a 3D inside. And I was lying there and the doctor's struggling. There's so much resistance, he cannot put the fluid in. And me working in a healthcare, I said, it shouldn't be hard. Why would there's a resistance? And they went and asking me, did you have um, surgery done? And I said, yes. And then they talk about scarring. And then sometimes when that happened, it's hard for the implantation. So I said, oh my God, I was like crying coming out of that ultrasound. But then I said, okay, I did blood work. Everything's good. Now the ultrasound, they said, there could be a lot of scaring in there. And I said, now at least I know what to pray for. So I said, Lord, give me a new uterus. I don't want this. So I said, for a month, they have to redo it again. So the whole month, I was praying for a new uterus. Like, Lord, you made everything out of me, every cell. So this new uterus, it shouldn't be hard. So when the test came, they checked, lying down, just praying while they're doing the test, and not even two minutes, literally, the doctor just shoop, and then the fluid went in, and, and the word that she said is like, wow, it's beautiful, and congratulations. And in my mind, I said, of course, that's my new uterus. So I said, so I was just like praising God, and I called my sister, guess what? I got the new uterus. <laughs> then, they were like saying, yeah, yeah, even at work, I was like, I got a new uterus, can you believe it? Like, why? Like, I went to the stats and to the stories, I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, for sure, but in my heart, I know that's my new uterus. And then, okay, this is what you're going to do, we give you a lot of medication, and take this, and your period, da-da-da-da. So I did that for two months, but every, even you think that you're ovulating, you go for blood work, and went. So first month, it was negative. Second month, negative. It's like, what's going on? It's a new uterus, but it's not working. So, so, so I was watching this YouTube, and one rabbi that I was following, I still follow, and said, you know what, if you think that things happen to you for a reason, and maybe God's will, and you had a baby, and you want to have a baby, but you cannot have it, and maybe it's God's will. Like, and said, yeah, maybe that's what happened to me. And, said, and then he went back and said, what kind of sick of mine is thinking that way? If you have a child, wouldn't you have your child to have a kid? And I said, yeah. And then, and then I said, okay, fine. Lord, have it your way. I'm going to stop the medication. I'm not going to do vitro. No, have it your way. It's just, you won't give me uterus, not unless you want to give me a baby. So the Bible, I open it, and I just pray from Samuel. The mom cannot have baby at the time. Sarah cannot have a baby, and then even Rachel cannot have a baby, even Samsung mother cannot have a baby, but you all opened their wombs, and I said, you're the same God that I'm praying to, and I know you can open, and you gave me uterus already. So I said, okay, I stop. And then, and then finally, I just prayed pray that every morning on my knees, and said, Samuel, became anointed, and all those barren women, they all became anointed, and you are the same God that they've been praying for. And in the midst of this, we wanted to buy a house, and we wanted close to my sister. There was one, and thanks 
we lost it because there's bidding, it's get so much. And then there's another house that opened, and my sister said, like, go for it. And I said, okay, I'll go for it. We went and they took our offer and said, thank God. And now I'm going to prophesy that before we move into that house, I'm going to be pregnant. So here it comes. They accepted our offer and said, yes, thanks, God. And the closing date is October 16. And I did my fertility check. Like August, when was that? August, no, October 11. So I said, before we move in, I'm pregnant. So fair enough, I got pregnant. But uh, when I check my fertility, it's October 11, and we move in October 16. Wow. Then on that time, on that then on, I was like, I felt like the promise of God is in my hand. I'm holding it to his hand. It wasn't an easy pregnancy. I had a very bad uh, morning sickness that I had to be off for two months. But like... I'm so relaxed in those times because I'm holding in God's hands like, this is your doing. You give me uterus, you give me a baby. It has to be full term. And that happened. And the whole time, I felt like, I kid you not, I'm like, my husband, he even had some doubts because like, he doesn't want to keep his hope because he was so excited in the first one. But he said, you know what? This is God's doing. I'm holding in his hand. This is her doing. And I'm going to go through it. And finally, I got the baby. Baby here? No, <laughs> it's at home. But I cannot wait to have him dedicated to, to the Lord when I get him here. Oh my God, it would be another dream come true. Amen. Okay. Well, we thank God with you. That's a powerful testimony of God's goodness and his ability to perform miracles. So this is a little bit unrelated. So it's not like a, a segue, like pick, pick a gift out of the bag for that testimony, but I want you to just grab some, there's some papers in here, and uh, I just need you to pick them up for me, okay? What is, <laughs> okay, so you could keep the pen, but I need the spider. Now, I was hoping she would jump, she didn't even look in the bag, <laughs> she grabbed a, a big, furry, hairy spider, you can go sit down, give her a hand. <laughs> Marina, would you have jumped if you would have... <laughs> So this morning, this is a black spider. It's one of Priscilla's props. She's an elementary school teacher. And for a long time, Josiah used to throw this at Abigail. And uh, she would run down, like, the stairs because she was so afraid. She thought it was real. And she would make her way to mommy because she was afraid. She wanted to be safe. And she would say, Josiah, stop. And he thought it was the funniest thing, and he kept on doing it over and over again. Well, that was last year. Uh, this past week, for some reason, Josiah and Abigail, every time they would play in the basement, I hear them scream, and I'm trying to, like, just talk with Priscilla. We put Nathan for a nap. And it's like, ah! And I'm like, what's the matter? He's like, spider! So I'd run downstairs, and you know how... We have an unfinished basement, and we put the toys, and we let our kids go crazy there. And so he, he had this car play thing that he hadn't touched in a while, so that's why there were cobwebs. And when he pulled it, they started playing and felt the spider webs. Then they saw the spider, and it was uh, pretty frightening for them, and they wanted Dad to come and get rid of the what? The spider. And... I would go and kill the spider and clean the cobwebs that it left. And I said, now, kids, you can play. Don't worry. Guess what? I went upstairs. Dad! Ah! What's wrong now? Spider! Another one. I did it about three times, and then I think I got them all. I just grabbed the vacuum in the end, and I said, ah! <laughs> clean them all away. Um, similarly, there was a story of, true story, of a 19-year-old young evangelist who was preaching his first revival service in Panama. And on the first night, Miss Ramirez was an 80-year-old woman, comes up and she says, she calls him pastor. She goes, oh, pastor. He's like, yes. And he was praying and believing that, you know, for souls. So he thought she's going to come and give her life to Christ. And she goes, would you please pray that God would remove the cobwebs from my life? 
And so he said, yes, let's pray that Jesus will remove the cobwebs in your life. And so they prayed. Night two comes and he preaches a message and he's believing. And then he sees Miss Ramirez coming again to the altar. And he's like, can I, what can I pray for you tonight? She goes, those cobwebs came back and I need you to pray again. Please pray to Jesus that he would remove all the cobwebs from my life. He said, but we prayed last night for that. She goes, I know, but please, I need you to do it again. He goes, all right, let's pray. And he prays the same prayer. Lord, remove the cobwebs from Miss Ramirez's life. In Jesus' name, amen. Night three comes. He's preaching and he's believing. Miss Ramirez comes down to the altar call again, this time with tears in her eyes. And he says, maybe this time it's different. And she says, please, pastor, would you pray just this one last time that God would remove the cobwebs from my life? And she was sincere in her request. But you know what the 19-year-old young evangelist said? That night he looked her in the eyes and he said, no. He said, tonight we're going to pray that Jesus kills the spider in your life. And they prayed. And so today, with God's help, I want to preach a message entitled, Kill the Spider. And by the way, the moral of that story is, stop cleaning cobwebs, kill the spider. Stop cleaning cobwebs and kill the spider. In life, it might feel a lot like that. You've tried everything. I think of the woman in the Bible who had the issue of blood. And it says she spent all her money but got worse. She didn't get better. And those are cobwebs in life. The five steps to a better marriage. Five steps to getting your first date. Uh, whatever it might look like. Uh, basically, those are just cobwebs that don't deal with the root of problems. And in your life, I don't know what cobwebs you might be clearing all the time. And you come back tomorrow and there are cobwebs. Um, that exit right there at the, at the very back, that's our office entrance. And when I come in on Tuesdays, I don't know why, but somehow there are always cobwebs. And the first day, you know, I'm hitting cobwebs. I don't have hair, by the way. So I feel it right away. And I go, oh, it's one of the things I hate the most. And so I, after day one, day two, there were cobwebs again. And day three, I finally got smart, just like the evangelist. I, find, I found a ruler and I began to take all the cobwebs out, and then I began to find that there were baby spiders' eggs being laid there. Some of you are like, I'm never going to use that exit. Most of them are gone because I took care of the spiders. Amen? But I had to learn a lesson. The cobwebs are not fun, but they always were coming back. Guess what? When I killed the baby spiders, the problem is gone. I know some of you are like, don't hurt the spiders. It's okay. I killed them. This book... There's a book by Carlos Whitaker, and this message today is actually adapted the concept of his book. I, I'm adapting for the message today, but he wrote a book entitled exactly that, Kill the Spider. And I actually heard, the first time I heard that story I just shared with you was on a leadership podcast. It's called the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. It's an excellent church leadership podcast if you're into that kind of stuff. And, uh, and I heard this guy, Carlos Whitaker, the author, talking about this. And it, in his context, his life was a mess. And he was actually uh, a famous recording artist, worship artist, was singing God's praises in front of 40,000 people at a time. But inwardly, his life was falling apart and his marriage was also and that's where this book was birthed out of. He was on his way to like a seven-day retreat because he, had, he didn't know what else to do. And this was the story that his father, he was the young evangelist, told him. And he said, when my father explained that story about Miss Ramirez, suddenly the, the eyes of my understanding were opened. And I went into those seven days and God transformed my life. And this morning, we have just a few minutes to get into this, but I encourage you, if you're interested enough, buy the book, get the audio book, listen to it, but today I'm going to preach a message based on this book. And so a spider, he says in the book, a spider is an agreement you have made with a lie. An agreement 
you have made with a lie. So here's a lie. Your identity is based in your, on your achievements. That's a lie. Your identity is based on your achievements. I do well at work. I, I, that's, that's who I am. I'm a good worker. I do well when I serve at church. That's all I am. I'm a good servant. Right? But that's a lie. That's not who you actually are. That's just what you do in th that given moment. The truth is this. Your identity is based on being a son and daughter of God. That's truth. It's not based on your achievements. It's based on the fact that you are a son and daughter of God. And so that's a spider, an agreement you have made with a lie. What are the cobwebs in our lives? A cobweb, he says in his book, is a medicator that brings false comfort to that lie. A medicator that brings false comfort to that lie. Medicators, cobwebs, those things are the things that sell. Like I said, a five steps to a better marriage, three steps to stop looking at pornography. Um, how about social media, right? We get likes, there's the dopamine effect in the brain, and we suddenly feel great about ourselves. Guess what? When we post the picture and we don't get the likes, we feel like a failure and a reject to society. And then what about artificial relationships? Workplace affairs, emotional affairs, um, and sexual affairs. Those are all cobwebs that we try to medicate ourselves to feel better, giving us false comfort in the lie. Well, my wife's not pleasing me at home and our relationship is hard, so I'm going to just flirt with the young ladies because it just makes me feel like I still got something to offer. Those are just cobwebs. You're not dealing with the real issue in the home and in the heart. And so to get into Scripture, if you have your Bible, would you turn with me and stand as we do to Genesis chapter 3? And we're going to take it right at the beginning. Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to begin reading at verse 1. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. If you're there, shout amen. amen. If you hate spiders, yell amen. And I promise I won't throw this at you like my son was doing to his sister. Chapter 3 of Genesis, beginning at verse 1, and this is what it says. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. And God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. And verse 4, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows what your eyes that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And verse 6, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. And then here's verse 7, at that moment their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Lord, I humbly approach this opportunity to speak your word to your people. And now I simply ask for open hearts. Lord, if there are any spiders lurking in our lives, that Lord, you would reveal them to us so we can kill the spiders that are causing us to look for the cobwebs. Today we want to get to the root. And Father, I know that you are able to reveal, to expose, and to even deal with the spiders in our lives. Have your way today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated today. In Genesis, we find the origin of sin. And as a result of Adam and Eve's sin, sin entered the world, the Bible says, But just like through one man sin entered the world, through another man Jesus, we have the remedy for sin. Can somebody say amen? And so all we need is Jesus. He's more than enough. But in this story, we also see that there is a spider and there's a cobweb. And I just want to point it out to you. So we said that a spider is an agreement you've made 
with a lie. So then let's ask the question in our text, what is the lie? Well, in verse 4, the serpent tells the woman, you won't die. Is that true? No. Because of sin, we also have death. So you won't die, verse 4 says. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So again, that's the lie, but where's the agreement made with the lie? Look at verse 6. The woman was convinced. So that's telling us, as the reader, that she basically said, I agree with what you are saying. Even though it was a lie, she made an agreement with the lie. Do you all see it together? So there's the spider in this Genesis chapter 3 account. Now you might say, okay, but what's, where's the cobweb or what is the cobweb in the story? So to get that, we look at verse 7. Verse 7, and here's what it says. At that moment, their eyes were opened. They suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. A cobweb is a medicator that brings false comfort to the lie. So by hiding and, and, and making fig leaf clothing, maybe they were early fashion designers, I don't know, but they were trying to self-medicate for the actual problem. Those are the cobwebs in life. And here's the interesting and amazing part about who God is in all of this. God has enough love and desires the relationship between us and him, so much so that he walks through the garden and he calls out to man and he says, where are you? God knows all things. He's omnipotent, he's omniscient, and he's, he's all-powerful. So he knows where they're hiding, but he asks them, do you know why God says, where are you? The reason why God asks the question is because there's something powerful about confession. When they say, here we are, we're hiding. And God says, why are you hiding? Why are you wearing fig leaves? In other words, why are you playing around with the cobwebs? Where's the spider? What have you done? Where's the agreement you've made with the lie? And why are you trying to hide? And this is the nature of God. I don't want you to miss it. He will search you out. Not to slap you, because he desires relationship. And God sought out Adam and Eve after they sinned. And he said, come, why are you doing this? What happened? There was a consequence to sin for Adam and Eve. They were kicked out of the garden. They were to toil and work hard. Guess what? Today, there is still consequence to sin. I know it's not popular to preach that, but hey, let's just take a simple example. If you cheat on your wife, what happens? Chances are that that relationship is going to break. If you're going to go and do drugs, maybe you say, well, in a couple of months or so, it's not going to be legal to smoke weed. That's between you and God and the government. But what I'm going to say is this. If this is the temple of the Holy Spirit, if you don't take care of it, and you're, you're drunk with wine instead of his Holy Spirit, guess what? There's a consequence. You might say, well, uh, prove it. Okay, try driving through a police stop zone. I forget what they call it in English. Operation Ne Rouge is what they would call it at Christmas time in Quebec where I grew up. But um, when they stop you, and, and even if you have a little bit in your blood, it's enough for them now to take your car. To not drive the rest of the way home. And it's crazy. So why would we treat this differently? So. Adam and Eve. The fig leaves. God. You think you're going to hide from God? Today you might be here. Running. Even though you're in church. But you think. Well. No one really knows what I'm going through. And you're probably right. But I want you to know that God does. And God. As much as he hates sin, he loves you. And that's the difference. He hates sin, but he loves you. And he loves everyone. He hates all sin, but he loves everyone. And so it's an important thing, church, for us to grasp. 
Notice in verse 9, God calls, where are you? And he's closer today than you think. As we go through this today, uh, I don't want to negate the help that we can get from professional counseling and therapy. Um, I know many people, including myself, that, that see counselors and, and have therapy done. It's not bad. It's helpful to have someone you can talk things through with. Um, but here's what I do want to say. All of that is good, and I'm a big believer in that. But they can help you identify your spider. They can locate your spider. But you can never kill your spider with just therapy or just counseling. You need the blood of the cross and the power of the resurrection in your life to kill the spider. You see, I welcome help in my own personal life. I welcome help, but the actual help that will help me kill the spider is Jesus. Is Jesus. And so, here's the thing. The devil only wants to hurt you, right? That's not true. Look at 1 Peter 5.8. Be alert and of sober mind. Oh yeah, by the way, scripture does say to be sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to, doesn't say hurt, I was misleading you, to devour. He's prowling around. He's not a lion, but he does it like a lion to devour, to devour. A lot of us have bought into a lie that is just, oh, he just wants to hurt me. He's just, it's a soft attack, I know. And, and we dumb it down in our life. But little do you know that he's making the firm foundation maybe that you once stood on very unsure and very unsecure and wobbly, though you might not know it. Piece by piece is being removed from your foundation. And he, you just think, well, he, it's just hurting. It's, but he's actually out to devour you. That's the enemy of your soul. Very different than from what God is up to. And some of us have become professional cobweb cleaners. And, and we have a tool and we know how to just clear it out of the way so life looks good again and it feels normal again. But we're just dealing with cobwebs. We're not actually getting to the spider. And you work hard to clean cobwebs. Some of us, I remember looking when I turned on our, our lights in our living room. I'm like, I didn't, how did the spiders make those webs? In fact, right here, after we uh, moved back into the building, we had cobwebs going from like the black light up there to this light here. And they were like, you know, hanging things that in the right light and at the right angle, you could see all the cobwebs here. And guess what? I had to do like a balancing act. Some of you were watching me that Sunday before service, and I was clearing the cobwebs. And we strive and we work hard to clear cobwebs out of our lives. But I submit to you today that if you've been striving to clean your cobwebs, your hope is not going to be found in striving. It's going to be found in surrender. Surrender. Striving is you trying to do everything you can to get rid of the cobwebs. Surrender is you saying, God, I give you full control. God, I try every day and they keep coming back. God, I need your help. I need your help. It's found in surrender. And by surrender, I mean only to Jesus, to nothing else and no one else. It's easy to find cobwebs. It's difficult and it takes work to find spiders. But I have good news for you today, church. I want you to know this, that God is into the specifics of your life. God is into the specifics. You see, something I'm learning about myself is through the last several years, probably since we've had children, I haven't taken time to be self-aware of Jonathan, of me. Like, yes, I, the pastor part, I got the, uh, the husband part, the father part. But in the process, I've stopped actually saying, Jonathan, how are you doing internally? How are you doing with processing life and having three kids and uh, being a pastor? And, and to be quite honest and open with you, because this is how I am and this is how I intend to lead our church always, has been difficult. Because I don't stop. Because when I finish one thing, 
I always have something else to run to and to go to. And in this season, this summer, I've been slowing things down, taking a hard look at me. Who am I? How do I process life? How do I process life events and stress and all of these different things? And, and it's been eye-opening. And here's what I'm discovering. God cares about the specifics, and so should I. Amen? Sometimes we just are so busy with everything else that we don't even stop. But I want you to know today, God is interested in the specifics of your life. Even the things that you might not even care about, God cares about. God cares. Matthew 10.30, this one is the best for me, says this, And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. And I'm like, God, that's amazing. (laughs) I even have some here that's part of my head, so God knows. But can we put up the picture of the human body just for a second? When I think about the body, I'm not here to teach science or anatomy or anything like that. When I think about the body, like I got dizzy just looking at all those words associated to the arrows pointing to the body. Specific. Very specific. Hearing about, you know, when we were learning, you know, when Josiah was growing in Priscilla's womb, the specifics, mind-blowing, incredible attention to detail. This is our God. Specifics. He knows the body regulates itself. This brain is a computer, and it computes incredibly fast, faster than any computer on earth. This is the brain. By the way, on September 30th, I've invited a guest speaker to come. He's a Christian doctor who's going to basically, it's not a science lesson, but it's a lesson about how God has created all of us marvelously. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. Just a side note, save the date. Be here September 30th because he can go into this kind of stuff and you could find God in ways that I can't even explain quite. So you just look at this chart and you know God is into specifics. God is into specifics of your life. And I want that to ring loud and clear today. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything. Pastor, even specifics? Anything. According to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have What we asked of him. Can somebody say amen? And so with your prayer especially, don't pray vague prayers. If you have a specific request or need, pray specifically. God is a good God and he's a good father. If you need something from him, ask. When my kids need something, they don't beat around the bush. They, they don't try to make it sound pretty. They just say, Dad, spider, come now. Kill the spider. Right? And, and I'm like, okay, I'm coming right away. Let me just get the, the paper first because I don't want to use my bare hands. God is a good God. And when you call him and you call on him with your needs, guess what? He's ready to respond. And he's willing to respond. Specific prayer number one that we're going to pray before we leave today is this. What specific agreement have I made with a lie? And God, would you reveal it to me? That's prayer number one today. What specific agreement have I made with a lie? Reveal it to me. You know why it's important to pray this specific prayer? How else can we identify the spider in our lives? So we say, God, I need your help. God, I need your help. Would you specifically reveal to me, not the cobwebs, because those are easy to see. They're somewhat easy to clean, but that's just the striving part. I surrender now, God. Would you specifically reveal to me, are there any spiders in my life, any agreement I've made with a lie? And now, would you help me? And then prayer number two that we're going to be specific with is to invite Jesus into your life. Because without him, forget about trying to identify the spider. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. So I want to also give that opportunity to people here today. And I want to share with you three steps in killing the spider in your life. 
They're very simple, but they're very powerful and important. Step number one, once you're able to identify what this spider is in your life, number one, confess the lie. Confess the lie. I thank you, Bernadette, for sharing your testimony because the doctors said this isn't going to happen, right? You know, whatever area of your life that it might be where you've said, no, the lie is the truth. Well, we need to reverse that and we need to confess it today. See, in Genesis chapter 3, she was convinced that this was a good thing for her to do, to eat the fruit. She wanted to know, but it was a lie. She thought it was truth. So you have to confess that this is a lie. You have to, once you identify it, you confess, number one, the lie. Number two, you reject the lie. You, you say no. You reject the lie. And number three, this is the most important part. You replace the lie with the truth of Jesus. You replace the lie with the truth of Jesus. And I want to close this morning by sharing some truth today. John 10.10 says this, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and what we said it, destroy or devour. I have come, Jesus said, that they may have life and have it to the full. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. I'm going to say it again. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Can someone say amen today? And then 1 John 3.1 See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God and that is what we are would you stand to your feet today church do you know who you are today in Christ I am who he says I am we sang it during our worship time I am who he says I am I don't know what label has been put over your life you good for nothing fill in the blanks Oh, you worthless piece of, you fill in the blank. I don't know what's been spoken over your life, over your childhood, that has been a weight on you. Someone here might be old and you think you're useless because of your age. I want to encourage you. Abraham and Sarah also thought they were way past the age of bearing children. But God was just about to begin his special plan for Abraham and Sarah. So I don't know who needs to be encouraged here. If there are any elderly people who you just think, well, I'm just taking up space. No, you're not. If you're still here, God's not done with you yet. I don't know if there are any younger people here who just think, I'm just too young to do anything. Never think that. Paul said to Timothy, young Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But there was a role and a purpose for Timothy and a ministry for him as well. There might just as well be a ministry for you. I don't know what agreement you've made with a lie today, but today all over this place, we're going to pray something very specific. And I'm going to pray it over you but you need to pray it from your heart as well, is, Lord, what agreement have I made with a lie? What agreement have I made with a lie? What that simply means, in other words, is what lie have I believed now in my own life? And I've, maybe you, you, you're sick in your body and you just believe that this is the condition and you got to live like this the rest of your life. I don't know about you, but when I read scripture, every sick person that came to Jesus, he healed. He healed. The only place where it says that he did few miracles was in his very hometown because people didn't view him in his fullness, in his, the power of his ministry. They just looked at him 
as, oh, he, isn't that Joseph and Mary's kid? Like, like what, how can he do anything special? And it says that in his hometown, he was only able to do a few things, but he still did some. And today, I think as we pray, we just need to say, God, reveal specifically in my life, are there any spiders? And would you begin to reveal them? And I'm going to lead you in that prayer. And before I do, though, I don't want to jump the gun. I said there's a second specific prayer I want to pray. And here's the prayer. Do you want to invite Jesus into your heart to live and to be your Lord and Savior? If there's anyone here and you want to say, Pastor, lead me in that prayer, can you just show me by the sign of your hand? We're just going to take a moment because before we could say reveal the spider and we're going to confess and reject and then replace the truth with the lie with the truth of Jesus, we have to make sure that we know who Jesus is and we have that access to that relationship. So is there anyone here you say, I need that relationship with Jesus today? Then I believe that everyone knows Jesus right here. Sister, we're going to pray. And, um, and he's closer than we think, church. He's closer than we think. Maybe here's one more appeal before we get to that big, important, specific prayer. This is even more important. Is there anyone here? And I'm not saying close your eyes, bow your heads. Why? Because a closet Christian cannot stand in a critical world. We, if, we, if we're calling ourselves the family of God here at Weston, this is something that we need to say, no, I'm taking a stand today. I, it's me and Jesus and no other way. Amen? So if there's anyone here, and it's not to point anyone out, but if, if you say, you know what, I know who Jesus is, but I know that I need to restore the right relationship with him. Would you slip your hand up? I want to pray together today. And we're going to believe that God, number one, will restore. Thank you for your honesty and for your honesty. God's going to restore relationship. And as we pray this prayer, we're going to move on to the second specific prayer. What I'm going to ask the whole church to do, and those who raised your hands especially, can we simply repeat this simple prayer I'm going to lead us in. Heavenly Father, come on with a loud voice. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for sending your son Jesus, for making a way where there was no possible way. Thank you for the cross of Jesus where he bore my sin, where he bore my shame, and where he took the stripes also for my healing. So Heavenly Father, come now. I invite you to take your rightful place on the throne of my heart. I stop striving now and I surrender it all. Would you take control? of my present and my future. I thank you for my past and I pray that I can grow from this day forward. It's you and me, Jesus. And I thank you for your love and the power of the cross that has gives me the ability to have a brand new start right now in Jesus name amen come on let's give God some praise today amen 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 that's specific prayer number one specific prayer number two is this I'm going to pray over our church God would you begin to reveal the spider in my life what, what agreement have I made with a lie and Lord, help me to confess it, reject it, and then replace the lie with the truth of God's word. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for our church. Lord, I thank you that we, we view ourselves and we call ourselves the family of God. Father, we cry together. We laugh together. Um, Lord, we experience new things together. And Father, today we also pray a prayer, a specific prayer together. 
Father, I, I pray today this prayer that you would help us, Lord, to uh, understand what the spider is in our life. Not just understand it, but to identify it so that we can kill the spider. Lord, what agreements have we made with lies? And Father, as, we, as you begin to reveal it to us, Father, may we then confess the lie, reject the lie, and replace that lie with the truth of Jesus. And Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he's come, that we might have life and experience life to the full. Father, may we never be satisfied or content with just removing cobwebs. But Father, today we want to kill the spider in the name of Jesus. So Father, we thank you. We thank you that it's not in our own strength. We don't have to strive to do it. But God, it's through the blood of Jesus and the power of the resurrection that lives inside of us. So we thank you, Lord, today. Set your people free, God, who've been toiling for way too long. In the name of Jesus, break addictions, I pray, in Jesus' name. Any alcohol addiction, any nicotine addiction or drug addiction, in the name of Jesus, we break it. Any dependencies that we have on external things, in the name of Jesus, we break them. And we say we are fully dependent on you, Jesus. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you that when we find Jesus, we find truth. God, when we find Jesus, we find healing. When we find Jesus, we find hope. And so, Father, today I thank you. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for the work you're doing. Lord, I know that as we would walk out of this place, the enemy of our soul would want us to quickly forget the word we've heard. But I'm going to preemptively pray now, Holy Spirit, would you be the seal on the seed that has been planted in our hearts today. Be the seal that nothing can snatch it up from the ground of our heart. And Lord, accomplish everything that you want your word to accomplish today. I thank you for all of this. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And the church says, Amen. 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 Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.